Welcome everybody, this is the Rob Scott Podcast. I have to say, this has been one of the best weeks that I've had for a long time. Work was just wonderful, work was great, Um, our accounts were smaller than they have been in a long time, so I've been able to get home a little earlier and... um, get in early, get out, get home earlier. And it's been nice to have an evening to, to kind of relax and to, and to think and to, um, you know, just plan out your life and things like that. It's been, it's been a great week. Also, it's been a good week in the form of, uh, just information and things that happen around the world. It's, um, we, there is a lot of stuff going on in the world today. And I hope that you're, I hope your eyes are open. I hope your ears are cleaned out. You know, if you haven't, go get a Q-tip and clean them all out because there's a lot going on in the world today, and um, that we need to take it. We need to be aware of and to be proactive about because if we're not careful, and I'm not trying to be a fear monger. Uh, we have enough of that going on in the world today. I'm not trying to be a fear monger or anything. But if we don't, we're going to let this slip. We're going to let this stuff slip by. And we are going to find ourselves in a position of not being able to get back to where we want to be and where we should be. Part of my raising, uh, many of you know I'm LDS, and my my belief about this country uh, really stems a lot from my religious beliefs. Um. If you read the Book of Mormon, if you have, if you haven't, I invite you to do so because not only is it a good, it's a second testament of the life of Christ and his resurrection, um, it's also a wonderful history about this country and about this great land that we are part of, that we live on, this, these North American continents. See, this, this, this continent has been a blessed land for many, many years. Many of God's children have come here um, as a form of refuge and a, uh, as a promised land. Um, and that's what the Book of Mormon is, is really is kind of about. Um, um, if, you put as, if you put aside the testimony of Christ and, you, and the, the prophecies of the Savior and His birth and of His resurrection and His... <clears throat> Eventually, showing himself to the American people, to the to the Nephites and the Lamanites, you'll get a you'll get a a, a good dose of why America and why the, the American continent is a wonderful and a promised land. You can't walk away from it. And I've always been raised that way. I've always been taught, uh, you know, that this country is the only country that. Um, to tell you the truth, that we have the, the freedom, we have the freedoms that we have because of the Constitution of the United States. And if you know anything about the church history, um, which I was raised with, um, you understand that Joseph Smith couldn't have been able to do what he did if he had lived in another lived in another country, another land. He had the freedom of expression, he had the freedom of speech, he had the freedom of religion. And at that time, when he was a young man of 12, 13 years old, there was a great revival about religious beliefs, and he was concerned about his um, he was concerned about his own salvation at 12 years old. That's really young to be worried about your own salvation. 
but that's the way he was. That's uh, if you read his, uh, if you read Joseph's uh, history, that's what he was. Um, the answer to his prayer came as a result of his desire to want to know how he stood before God. Very simple. It's nothing, nothing uh, super magnificent about the desire that he had, except that he was 12 years old and that he had this pressing on his mind. That's why he was going to different churches. That's why he was talking to the different ministers at the time. There was this great revival kind of feeling in the country. Many, A lot of people uh, had moved into these areas. In fact, I heard numbers of almost 10% of the population of the United States were moving into these areas simply uh, because of these religious kind of fervor, this religious revival. And he was right smack dab in the middle of it. And there's a reason for that because this country has always been a country of freedom. It's always been a country of being able to think, to be able to say what you want to say, to be able to worship the way that you want to worship. It doesn't matter what religion you are. You have the freedoms to do that. And there's no really other place in this country, especially in today's world, there's no other place remotely close to it. This Constitution and the Bill of Rights we have, I believe, are God-given. They will not be taken away from us. The only way that the only way that they'll be taken away from us is if we allow it to be taken from us. If we continue to shut our eyes, right? Close our eyes. Don't don't see with the eyes that we have. If we clog our ears up and put our headphones on and our you know our AI. Uh, glasses and things like that and we put those things and we and we tune out the world and we don't pay attention to what the heck's going on in the world yep you know what those things can be taken away and that's what the other side is wanting that's what they're that's what they're banking on and they've run some tests they've run some tests on us to see if we're you know how um you know how much we are in love with our country and i have to say you know we've kind of failed um, at that, and we have given up a lot that um, we need to take back. We need to, that, that that is our God-given rights that no one can take it. No one man, no one government, no one, no administration, no bureaucrat can take away from me. And you have to understand that, um, and that's what this country was built on, and that's why you know. Being a member of the church for me, okay, I'm saying this for me, that is one of the reasons why I love this country so much and I value being part of, being a citizen of this country. And that's why people flow to this country because they want the same rights and they want the same privileges to be able to think, to, to, to talk, and to be able to worship had the freedom to build their lives, uh, make it better than than what they currently, uh, the current situation that they're in right now, and they have a, a, the ability to be able to do that, to dream big, and to make those things happen in this country. Sadly to say, you know, I think that we are giving it away because nobody can take it from us. They're God-given rights. We are giving it away, and we need to stop it. Today, I wanted to... I want to play some uh, some some video clips. It'll be all audio to you guys because I don't have the video version of this. Um, I'm going to play several different clips. There's been a lot going on with uh, Oliver uh, playing his song, uh, Rich Man North of Richmond, or whatever the, what it is. And, you know, 
I've seen this. I, I listened to this song, and I was like, man, I, I've heard this before. You know, uh, when I was young, uh, Charlie Daniels did a "I'm a Simple Man," and it was basically the kind. Of this that was today's anthem for something I listened to a long time ago, back in the back in the '70s and '80s. Um, but I wanted to play some. I've been I've been copying some videos and some stuff that um, some audio that I think. Um, well, it says what, um, what I believe. Um, some of them are politicians, um, that I don't necessarily agree with on the other side of the aisle. I don't believe in their, I don't believe in their overall, uh, platform, but when a person speaks the truth, I'm going to listen and I'm going to give it its worth. And, um, that's what I'm going to do today. I hope you enjoy it. Um, I'm just going to play these and then maybe have a little bit of commentary afterwards. So this this one might be a little bit longer. This uh, episode might be a little bit longer, but um, I hope you get something out of it and just see. Uh, I hope it you listen and and I hope that you see what is what's going on in this world because other people are seeing it. Other people are uh, are, are aware of it. And we and and for some reason we aren't, or not enough of us are, or think it's important, or think that hey you know we live in the United States nobody's going to take our rights away and blah 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 blah, and um, let me tell you something that is a naive look at the world. It's a naive look at the way our country is set up, and it's an it's naive in the fact that you don't think that there are people out there that's going to take advantage of you. And if you allow them, they will, because that is the, and I've said this before, it's the nature and disposition of almost everybody, everyone, that as soon as they get a little power or authority, whatever the heck you want to call it, they will begin to exercise unrighteous actions over you, dominion over you, because they think they have the power. They think that they can and we are the, we the people. We are not supposed to accept this from our leaders. We put them in place. We voted them in. In many cases, sometimes we vote the wrong person in because we believe their words. And uh, their, their actions are far from what their words are. And we are seeing that in our world today. Okay, this first one I want to play you. Okay, these are all video clips. I wish I had to, I'm going to, I got to get my video portion of this uh, podcast put together. But the first one is a talking about the framers of the Constitution. And this is RFK Jr. Uh, talking about this. And the reason why I said earlier that I don't uh, believe um, a lot about his platform or what he's doing. But he does speak to the truth sometimes. And... Um, this, I believe, is one of those times when he's doing this. I've got a couple of clips of him talking and being interviewed by different people. I'm not sure who's uh, who's doing the um, uh, the, the actual um, interview on this, but this is really interesting. Give this a listen, will you? I put a pandemic exemption in the Constitution. The Constitution was written. They wrote it for hard times. They wrote it. No matter Excuse what, his voice. Can't suspend the Constitution for any reason. Doesn't matter if the country is falling apart. 
you can't do it. Doesn't matter if people are dying, you can't do it. The rights are, you know, there was a generation in 1776 who put their lives, their fortunes, their reputations are on the line and their livelihoods, their property, in order to give us those Bill of Rights. Once a government takes a power, it will never give it back voluntarily. That is a rule of political science. And the other rule is that every power they take will ultimately be abused to the maximum extent possible. So basically what he's saying here in this clip is that you just can't suspend the Constitution because it's going against what you think, um, you know, what you feel uh, is right or wrong. And when you give somebody a power over you, you can never get it back. In fact, they'll use it against you at, at another point. That's why uh, I have a friend of mine who actually helps me out with my podcast, um, and he talks about the executive powers and uh, these executive orders that are being that are being done. And, and he says, I hate it when they when the presidents of the United States do this. There's certain cases, I guess, that are okay, but they are way over their bounds on executive orders that they give. And it's getting worse and worse every year. And I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat, it continues to be worse and worse and worse and worse. So what happens, here's what happens. We have a Republican a Democrat, or a Republican president, right? And he exercises, that person exercises authority, uses executive orders to, to make to do certain things. Okay, say, say he does 10. I'm just throwing a number out there. The next president's a Democrat. Well, that Democrat decides, well, you know what, since the first Republican did it, I can do it since there's a precedence here. So I'm going to do 23 of these, and he's going to change things, right? And what he does normally at the beginning of his administration, he usually cancels what was done the first time. Normally, I'm not saying every time, but normally what he does is that they cancel the ones of the previous president. And this is an ongoing thing over and over and over again, okay? Every, with every administration, the president comes in, oh, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to stop this, and I'm going to use an executive action and executive orders to stop this. And st-. But the problem is, is that it doesn't go through the proper channels of our government, okay? Laws, okay, laws are, are, are developed and voted into law by our, by our Congress, Okay, by the House and the Senate, the, approved by the President. Okay, it is not the right. It is a right for him to do e- executive orders, of course, but it's not to abuse that power. And it goes back to what uh, Kennedy has, says here: is as soon as they get that power, they 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 abuse it. And we've seen that over the generations and over the presidencies, you see them using it more and more and more. And basically what you have is you get this yo-yo effect back and forth between Democrat and Republican. And, you know, what Biden did, you know, he cancels the the uh, border wall. He cancels all the stuff that because he doesn't like Trump. So he goes to and he just obliterates everything that Trump did as an executive order. If those were laws, they couldn't do much with it. If that was Congress actually doing those things and fixing the border problem, they couldn't do anything really about it unless they go back to Congress and they have a law passed. He still has veto power, okay, but that's a lot different than having executive orders. I can't stand this aspect uh, of our government, the way that it's over abuse. And this is exactly what this man is saying. 
Okay, the second one I'm going to play to you is a clip, and please excuse the music behind it. It makes it a little harder because they're trying to make it more dramatic, but it's a it's a reporter uh, talking to the governor of uh, Hawaii. Uh, we're all familiar with the fires, the, the just horrific fires um, that destroyed... Um, you know, parts of Hawaii last last week, the week before, somewhere, um, and um, the response from this. You know, we've already had a couple. We've already had one person uh, who su- submitted the resignation because he failed to do his job correctly. Um, newspapers are spinning that a different way, but I want you to closely listen to the question that was that was asked of the governor. Okay, and his response. Okay, these these reporters, so-called reporters, these journalists, oftentimes lead these these people with questions with, with leading questions, and it's right in the it's right in the question that she asks that climate change is responsible for the fires, which as we we continue to understand more and more, we get more and more data and facts coming back. Um, and more and more people who are getting involved with this are telling us, no, it's not really. It's a man-made problem. It's it's a it's a uh, it's a it's a uh, dealing with the grass that's been brought in that is not natural grass that's uh, natural and for um, Hawaii and things like that. And then it's also a, a mismanagement of forest and mismanagement of, of grasses and things like that. It's a it's a function of the electric company not taking care of its uh, its lines because there's stories of of uh, these lines being down uh, that would eventually uh, you know spark and cause a fire because there it's a it's a the time that right now is kind of a drought time in Hawaii so the grass is going to be a little uh, are going to be drier and the the incidence of being able to have a to have a fire as a result of a as a, a power line sparking and things like that was very high at the time. These are all things that were known. Okay, all these things are known now uh, as they investigate this. And I think uh, what was it Tulsi Gabbard when he she, he was she was uh, talking about she made a statement about the guy who said well I didn't want to use the tsunami uh, air horns because it would make people go uphill and run into the fire uh, versus downhill and things like that and she just basically said that's you know BS um, and he didn't do it and as a result and as a result of and now we learn more and more about why police officers were stopping, you know, uh, vehicles from getting out of the town, out of uh, Lahaina, I think Lahaina is the way you say it, getting out of town. They stopped them. There was barricades set up for some freaking reason. And um, and you're hearing stories now of, of uh, survivors who said, screw this, I'm, you know, I, I'll walk out if I have to. Or finding other ways to to you know off road to go and get out of the uh, danger's way, harm's way, and we're starting to hear more and more of this. And I have a feeling that as we continue to get information on this, you're going to find out that um, that this was not a, a climate change 
uh, situation. This was a man-made issue, which a lot of them are. The fires up in Canada, the fires out in California are all man-made problems because they mismanage the way that they handle the water, the forestation of the uh, of the uh, you know forestation and things. They mishandle it, and then they want to blame climate change. Listen to this. Listen to this. Uh, this clip again. I apologize for the music. It's kind of they make, I guess they put it behind it to make it sound dramatic or something like that. But listen to this. Governor of Hawaii went on CBS this morning to discuss the wildfires that happen there and climate change. Take a look. Clear when you're talking global warming, are you saying that climate change amplified the cost of human error? Yes, it did. Uh, there's always going to be incredible things that people do to save lives from the firefighters, from citizens, and there's always going to be decisions that are made that I'm sure aren't perfect in the moment. Yes, climate change. Never mind that they didn't set off any warnings. Never mind that they let kids out of school so they were home alone while their parents were at work. Never mind that they shut the water yeah. off. Yeah, see, that's, she's exactly right. Um, she, the, the reporter, this is what really makes me mad about this, though, is the reporter sets this up because they have an agenda that they want to push. They want to push climate change, climate change, climate change. Everything between, I don't care if it, divorce has everything to do with climate change. Uh, transgenderism has it, you know, the climate change is at the base of climate, at the, at the base of the problem with transgenderism. Uh, divorce, we don't go to church anymore. It's all because of climate. They blame everything on climate change because they have no, they don't have the, the data. They have made predictions on climate change that have not come true over the decades, decades and decades, and continue to raise this flag about how serious climate change is. It used to be climate you know, warming and things like It's just... I'm not. I'm not a climate denier. I don't. I believe that there is "quote unquote" change in climate. Of course, I do. You'd have to be an idiot not to believe that. Okay. What I don't believe is all the the uh, the exercise of uh, fear and everything and tumultuousness of of how they make climate change um, just responsible for everything. And here you have a reporter again. Do you think that the climate change has, you know, made this more, you know, a more a more of a powerful thing? And what does the government? Say? He has nowhere to go but to say, yeah, of course it does. What well, didn't? This is we're gonna we're gonna find out more and more as this comes out, as the data comes out, that climate change had nothing really to do with this. Okay, nothing to do with it. And we're already starting to see, we're already starting to hear, I've got a couple articles I read this last week about, you know, them blaming climate change on this and didn't have anything to do with climate change in reality. Just doesn't. Yet here we are where we are again told and told to fear climate. And it's wrong. It's just, it's... You give you give somebody a little bit of power, and they continue to take more and more away from you, and they continue to make you fear everything that's around you. And this is the world that we're living in today. Um, just listen to what the newscast later on. Okay, as this as this continues to grow, if unless the media shuts it down because there's nothing here that they can push climate wise or something like, that. and they may do that, they may just shut it down, and you may not hear anything about it. Okay, the president of the United States, um, what's he's asked about making a comment on the fires in Hawaii. What's his what's he say? I have no comment. Then he waits a whole week before he goes down to Hawaii. Okay, a whole week. 
and I don't understand that. I don't. I don't get why he waited a whole week when you have one of your states and a massive, terrible uh, event that took place. Why you wait a week? And he is pressured to go down there. And then what does he talk about? This. I keep waiting to see when the adults are going to actually move into the White House again. Because the adults aren't. We might have adults, but they're they're aging. They're aging people who lost their minds, who can't think, who can't walk, who can't talk, and are leading our country. That are full of dementia. That are that are that are that have issues. That well, I'm telling you, this man and his response to to these families who have lost loved ones, children. We still don't know how many people are, we still, what, the count is now what, 1,100, 1100 people lost. I think it was over 100 people who they'd known who have died, but there's still 1,100. I guarantee you many of those are going to be children. And this president doesn't have any comment. This president goes down and what is his, what is his idea of empathy and sympathy for these folks is to talk about himself, to talk about his own little kitchen fire and about how he almost lost his Corvette and his cat. There's something wrong with this man. There's something wrong with this. If you don't see it and if you don't hear it, you need to open your eyes and unclog your ears because there's something wrong with this man. Okay, and I, my, my take on it is I think there's been something wrong with this man uh, through his whole career. Okay? He, he just does not care about people. And the only time that he reacts to things like this is when he's forced to, he's pushed into it, when media starts to recognize he doesn't have the protection of the media anymore, the media starts asking him questions. CNN and MSNBC start asking him questions. Then he starts acting. Then he starts answering questions after he's forced into it. This is forced empathy. Okay. Same thing with his grandchildren. He has a four-year-old granddaughter that he wouldn't accept. He wouldn't, uh, you know, even talk about. In the White House, he was there. People were told that I only have six children, six grandchildren, not seven. It wasn't until the media started asking him questions and making an issue about it that he finally, you know, that he finally admitted that he had seven. And then he then he makes himself out to be this great grandfather, you know, and, and this great person. Well, no, you're not, Joe. I'm sorry. You spent all this time denying the fact that you have a granddaughter who's four years. And it's not about the granddaughter. I've heard all these different shows, and I've read this manuscript. I've re- I read the scripts on these things. And all of them are making it out that, you know, that you should, you know, the little kid shouldn't be. This, that, that's not the issue, okay? This isn't, that's not the issue with the little child, okay? It's the issue with the President of the United States denying the fact that he has a grandchild. Illegitimate or not, I don't care. He has a granddaughter, and he refused to he refused to accept her and even acknowledge that she existed until he was forced to. Same thing with this situation. It reminds me of Pete Buttigieg, or whatever the last name is, Buttigieg, when they had the train wreck down in PA. Okay, when did he go down there? After Donald Trump goes down there. Okay, so he felt pressured now that he has to go down there and uh, you know walk through the wreckage of the of the uh, train. They, 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 I keep saying this, that these, this administration just does not really 
care about us. They don't care about the plight of you and I having to spend our hard-earned money, the money that we go out and work for. Okay, they don't care about inflation. They don't care about they don't care about these things how it affects you and I. Okay, they just they don't. And the evidence and the facts are there that they just don't. Just listen and hear. Listen and see. Watch the videos. Listen to them and you'll hear it. You'll hear it over and over again. I hate to say that about people. I really do. I think most people are good people. I don't think Joe Biden's evil. I think he is just an old man. I think he is feeble and he needs to be, he needs to be taken out of office. He needs to say, okay, thank you for your service. You've screwed up enough. Let's put somebody else in there that can do the job and, and really you know, carry the torch uh, for America. You're, you, you're done. We don't, we don't want you any longer, uh, President Biden, because you're doing a terrible job and you're representing this country in a terrible way. I'm not even going to get into all the Hunter and, and, and all the criminal acts and stuff. That's, that's, a, that's another day. That's like two days worth of podcasts or even more than that. But um, that's what we're, that, again, this is what we've got. We've got, we've got, we have leaders of our country who have other ideas in mind that they are trying to implement that have nothing to do with you and I. That has nothing to do with the citizens of this country. Keep your eyes open. Keep your ears open. Okay, here's another video I wanted to play you. Okay, this next one, okay, I have to admit it's kind of a religious thing. This is the leader of the LDS Church, um, President Nelson. He's talking about, and he's talking about isms. And I want you to listen to what he has to say. Um, Because he's dead on, straight on, correct on this. Listen to what he says. Just, just listen. This is this is good stuff. Enable me as an old man. Which he is. He's 99, 98. But I'm a lot younger than Adam. Be <laughs> speaking at conference. Ageism, racism, nationalism, sexism. And a host of other isms are universally limiting. How tragic it is when someone believes the label another person has given them. Imagine the heartache of a child who is told, you are dumb. Identifiers and labels are powerful. The adversary rejoices in labels because they divide us and restrict the way we think about ourselves and each other. How sad it is when we honor labels more than we honor each other. Labels can lead to judging and animosity. Any abuse or prejudice towards another because of nationality, race, sexual orientation. Okay, label. sorry about that. Um, he's a, Like I said, you can't argue with the fact of what he's talking about. They are limiting. They are destructive in, in there just by themselves. And if you look at the world today and you look at our country today, be honest with yourself. 
do you feel like we are a more united country or a more divided country? That's all I want you to think about. See, we were told with this last election in 2020 um, that we are going to be, you know, that we are going to be a united country again, that we have a leader now um, that is going to, you know, bring us all together again. The question I have again is, do you feel as an individual, do you feel more divided from your friends who, who maybe believe differently than you do, maybe on politics or any other subject? Um, are we more united than we are, than we were, say, 10 years ago, say, 20 years ago? I the answer for me is no we're not we're we are nowhere near uh unification in this country than we used to be. And you got to ask yourself what why? Why are we divided so much? Why is there such a chasm between Democrats and Republicans now? It was never like that before. Never like that before. I've been on this earth for 64 years. I've never seen it like this before. Why? You got to start asking yourself these kinds of questions. Um, we have another election coming up. You got to ask yourself these questions: Why and how can we how can we try to fix it? I'm not of the, the belief that you know one man or whatever is going to change anything. It has to come from the individual people in our hearts and our minds, the way that we think, and we need to get to the point where we don't accept these these labels that we that we uh, put on each other. You know, racism and sexism used to really carry a lot of weight. To call somebody a racist when I was, uh, you know, when I was younger, when I was in my teens, was just hideous and horrible to be called a racist. Today, it's just it's just a, a common word now because somebody disagrees with me or disagrees, you know, disagrees with my point of view. You're called a bigot. You're called a racist. You're called a, you know, whatever, a sexist because you don't believe in, in feminism or something like that. And you believe feminism is tearing this country apart and tearing families apart, tearing marriages apart. It's destructive. It always has been destructive. And... Um, we need to we need to get away from from this kind of talk because it is limiting it is limiting us from being and doing what we can do as a nation as a, as a people um, good words thanks president nelson thank you okay the next one talks about this um, ethnic and diversity and and equity and inclusion um, and uh, we just, the, the Supreme Court just uh, nullified the uh, affirmative action that it was, uh, basically, it was racist. It, it, goes, it goes against our country, it goes against the Constitution for um, universities and, and governments to, to fix numbers based on the color of someone's skin, basically, is what it came down to. Now, I want you to listen to this gentleman. Um, and he's talking about recently um, Stanford University. Listen to this. 
against the incoming class of 2026. And they boasted that there were only 23% white applicants in a demographic that has three times that number. But here's what was interesting. They would not tell you of the people who were admitted how many did or did not take the SAT, which is optional now. But they did want to emphasize that those that took the SAT and got a perfect, that's almost impossible to do, a perfect score on the SAT, they proudly announced they rejected 75% of them. And so it's almost a boast that we're not going to be bound by meritocracy. So I talked to some people off the record in Silicon Valley, and one person, if I were to name his name, everybody would know him. He said, we would rather have a, a coder from Georgia Tech than we would from Stanford. So it's starting to affect us everywhere. And it's a war on meritocracy, and it's an equality of result, enforced mandate, and it's all done under the guise of being morally superior, but it's a very amoral system because it destroys the lives of people who play by the rules and try to achieve staff. That's right. I've, I, yeah, I listen to this and I, 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 you know, I believe the numbers. I really do. Uh, for years and years and years, um, you know, merit and work and everything is being just vil not vilified, but just um, demonized because people work hard and in their schooling and their education and they try to get into these schools it, it, it affects everything you know the people that tell me uh, and I have people say this a lot that who cares you know what you know who cares if someone's gay or someone's transgender or or these things are happening in the world it doesn't really affect our it doesn't affect me it doesn't affect you it doesn't affect our community our society and things like that well it does Everything that we everything that we do on a personal basis, everything that we do um, in our families, our individual choices, all will affect our community and our society in some way, some small, some larger. And I believe that you know the the ruling that the the Supreme Court did on um, affirmative action was was the correct decision because it is a racist. Uh, law that should have never been passed in the first place. I understand why it was, but I don't agree with it. I believe people should get into college. I believe that their hard work um, should be should be uh, be paid off. And and here you have Stanford University bragging about you had people who <laughs> got a perfect score, which he says is like oh that's like almost impossible to do. But they they rejected seventy five percent of them for someone else. What for someone who didn't even you know scored four hundred points or three hundred points less on an SAT than the person that sh should have been able to go to that school for what purpose? So they can go to that school and fail out. It's just, it doesn't make any sense. And people, you know, these, these companies are starting to catch on to this. People, good companies want the best people. They don't want somebody just because of the color of their skin, because they identify a certain way. They want the best people because we need the best people. We need the smartest people, the most intelligent people who put, who have put in the effort and the work to do, to, to, perform miracles, to perform surgeries, to perform, you know, to, to make decisions uh, on a political standpoint who are smart and intelligent, not simply because they're black or they're a female or they're, or they're gay or they're transgender or whatever the case may be, whatever their pronoun, it doesn't matter. This has been a war on, uh, on 
meritocracy for a long time. And it's time for, you know, it's really time. And I'm really happy that the fact that the, the like I said, the court changed that. And, uh, of course, you know, the schools will try to get around it by doing other things. And, you know, they'll try to get around it because they're so locked into this. <laughs> and they don't even understand that it's destroying their, the reputation of the school that that has in the past and has for centuries had great reputations. And what they're doing is destroying their, their reputation. Um, anyway, um, listen to this next one here. This is a good one, too. Okay, this next one is uh, Governor Christy Nome. She's down at the border. There, She's doing a video. Of course, she's doing a report. And she's talking about the border crisis. And then check this out, okay? Down here to the border before. This was the first time I had the chance to really see it from the air. And, and what we're literally witnessing is a war zone. It's a war for our country and for our federal laws that have been passed in our Constitution. They are threatening our sovereignty right now, and the cartels are out for blood, and they are facilitating the trafficking of our children each and every day. That's what I find so shocking about the way that Biden continuously violates federal law, is the lack of humanity in these policies. But the fact is it doesn't stop it. Does that sound familiar, lack of humanity? Day in South Dakota. So I'm all in. I've had our National Guard down here for a long time. We've had our Lakota helicopters down here on a federal mission doing surveillance on the border. And in September 1st, we're going to send more troops down here. We absolutely have to show people that there's a different choice. And it literally is just enforcing the laws that we already have. You've heard our Border Patrol talk about this. You've heard our National Guard talk about this, our public safety. We don't need more laws. We just need the president to respect the laws that we already have. There we go. That's exactly correct. We just need people to respect the laws that we have, work with the laws that we currently have to make sure that our borders are secure. Um, that, it, listen, that's a societal issue as well. And as long as the borders are coming across and you, you have no checks and balances per se, and you're just allowing people to come in here, and I don't, you know, I've heard of different motivations as to why that's taking place. Um, you know, some of it makes sense, some of it doesn't. But, um, there needs to be some, and listen, I've, for, my gosh, ever since I was in college, I've heard of, you know, about, we have problems at the border, we have problems at the border, the border, the border laws need to be changed, and we have, we have decades after decades after decades of different Congress, different people, you know, and, and they just never do anything about it. And you got it, and you, and you really have to start wondering, like, why aren't they doing anything about it? Like going back to executive orders, you know, Trump had these executive orders in place um, to send people back while they're waiting on their uh, while they're waiting on their paperwork to be completed. They have to wait on the other side of the, the of the fence, or the other side of the border wall, while they're. But that's not the way it is. And what what does Biden do? Just because he simply doesn't like Donald Trump, he changes. He sets another executive rule. He cancels the one that Trump did. Which was working phenomenally, by the way. Which is working well, lowest amount of uh, crossings ever, and now we have the largest amount of people crossing over the border than ever before, and um, just because of executive orders. Um, there's a serious problem down there, and if you don't think it's going to affect you, 
wherever you live. I don't care where it is. You know, people in New York and California and you know, Martha's Vineyard didn't think that, uh, you know, hey, I can sit there and talk about how much I, you know, support uh, border, uh, you know, the border and things like that. But as soon as somebody comes into my area, as soon as, you know, I'm Chicago or if I'm D.C. or if I'm New York, and all of a sudden I have a couple thousand people uh, who are shipped in to my state, all, be, all of a sudden becomes a crisis. It's okay as long as it's in Texas, right? It's okay. Those people can deal with it. But don't bring them in here. Don't bring, him to Mar- don't bring the 50 people into Martha's Vineyard. Oh, my God, we can't handle it. you got to be kidding me. you got more money there than God, and you can't handle 50 people coming into your, into, your, uh, into your community. You can't handle it. Bullshit. It's all talk. It's all it is. You get the mayor of, uh, of Chicago. You get the mayor of New York. State of emergency. Biden, you got to do something now uh, because they can't handle it. Well, you know, <laughs> it's 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 okay. The border's secure as long as it's the border's secured in Texas, right? Yeah. Well, anyway, I just thought that was an interesting. I just thought that was an interesting video. Here's another one. Listen to this one. This is uh, Kennedy again, RFK Jr. talking about. Um, food stamps being cut and uh, Medicare being cut and listen to this one this is a really good one again I don't I don't I wouldn't vote for uh, I wouldn't vote for the man he's way too liberal on other subjects um, so I would never vote for him but I'm telling you he speaks to the truth about some things and he, this is one I do agree on listen to this how can we do that Mitch O'Connell you know you're cutting food stamps to 30 million Americans I need Medicare to 15 million Americans, but they're not going to have any health insurance. How can we spend 113 billion over there? If we had that 113 billion, we wouldn't have had to cut one food stamp payment. And he said, well, don't worry. The money's not staying in Ukraine. It's all coming back to military contractors in the United States. Well, so that's interesting because then you look at, you know, who owns those military contractors? And, and you see who gets on CNN to, to bump up the Ukraine war. It's a bunch of former generals and colonels and Pentagon people. But if you go in, and, and CNN never, and MSNBC never do this, but if you go look at those guys, they're all people who are working for Raytheon and General Dynamics and Boeing and Lockheed. So they're generals, but they're not identified that, you know, they're actually working for the military contractors are cashing in on the war and then you know those military contractors in turn are owned by three companies all of them are owned by three companies by blackrock state street and vanguard see (laughs) if you don't think that we have we don't have an issue with our bureaucracy and our government today and this has been going on for a long, and I'm telling you, this is on the both sides, both sides of the aisle. I'm telling you, I'm not, I'm not blaming Democrats. I'm not blaming Republicans, but we have a lot of dishonesty and corruption that has taken place. Um, you've heard of the military complex. Um, you know, we talking about politicians and bureaucrats that are always pushing war. And one is to get involved with wars around the world and things like that. So this is a big part of this military complex. 
that you hear, you know, a lot of um, podcasters talking about, Tulsi Gabbard talking about, uh, different politicians who are talking about these things. And it shouldn't be this way, but it is. And it's something that needs to be looked at and adjusted. Um, to me, I, if, you're, if, if you've served in Congress, if you've served in the Senate, or you've served in any capacity, uh, to me, I don't care. You shouldn't be able to work in any uh, military-based uh, companies at all. If you've been a, if you've, I, I, that's just my personal view. Um, you, you should not be able to be employed. You shouldn't be able to get a job in those in those areas uh, of employment. You just shouldn't. Uh, you should be not denied those things. Um, you know, hey, go out and write a book. Uh, go out on the uh, go out on the speaking tour uh, and and earn your money that way. But these people are taking advantage of our tax dollars. Um, Mitch McConnell is. is I, I, yeah, it's coming back. It's coming back in contracts. We're giving them 113 billion, and they're coming back in contracts. And who's getting rich off this? It ain't me, folks. <laughs> it isn't me, and it probably isn't you, right? It's uh, you really have to think um, about what's going on in this country, and that's why these. That's why elections really do matter. Um, they really do. Whoever you put in place are either going to continue to allow this stuff to take place, uh, grow it, um, you know, expand it, or you have people who are going to say, ah, enough is enough. We're not going to handle this. We're not going to do this anymore. This is this this shouldn't be this shouldn't be taking place. All right. Now here's one again. This is uh, RFK, and I'm sorry I got so many. I got like what three from uh, from Kennedy here, but uh, <laughs> it goes back. I mean, he's he's saying what I'm th- what I'm thinking. You know, like why why is this, and you know, why are these things happening the way that they're happening in this country? And he and he's and he's posing the question. You know, he's posing the question uh, about about these these things, and these these are these are serious questions that need to be answered. And why is it happening? Why is it taking place? Listen to this one. Let me just see. If I, uh, here we go. Ready? Let's take up that call from 60 years ago and ask Americans, all of us, to reexamine our attitude. We have been immersed in a foreign policy discourse that is all about adversaries and threats and allies and enemies and domination. We've become addicted to comic book good versus evil narratives that erase complexity and blind us to the legitimate motives and the legitimate cultural and economic concerns and the legitimate security concerns of other peoples and other nations. We have internalized and institutionalized a reflex of violence as the response for any and all crises. Everything becomes a war. War on drugs, the war on terror, war on cancer, war on climate change. This way of thinking predisposes us to wage endless wars abroad, wars and coups and bombs and drones and regime change operations and support for paramilitaries and juntas and dictators. None of this has made us safer and none of it has burnished our leadership or our moral authority. More importantly, we must ask ourselves, is this really who we are? Is this what we want to be? Is that what Americans' founders envisioned? Is it any wonder, is it any wonder that as America has waged violence throughout the world, violence 
has overtaken us in our own nation. It has not come as an invasion. It has come from within. Our bombs, our drones, our armies are incapable of stopping the gun violence on our streets and schools or domestic violence in our homes. Waging endless wars abroad, we have neglected the foundation of our own well-being. We have a decaying economic infrastructure. We have a demoralized people and a despairing people. We have toxins in our air and our soil and our water. We have deteriorating mental and physical health. These are the wages of war. What will be? Okay. He's, uh, you know, I, I don't know what more I can say about, you know, what he says here. Um, he, it's truth, what, what, he's, what he's talking about. Um, <clears throat> you know, the biggest, the biggest um, hurdle that we got to get, get over is the, the, the ability to be able to see what is, uh, and I've, I say this again, we have to see what's in front of us. We have to be able to recognize what is taking place. Um, I think if the American people get behind these, these, these ideologies and these ideas and we start saying as enough is enough, you know, what, let's, let's take care of ourselves. Let's take, we are wounded and damaged and sick mentally, physically, emotionally, uh, spiritually sick country. Let's fix ourselves first before we can go out and sit there and figure we can, you know, before we can go out and save the world and be a world dominant, dominating uh, power, and um, we need to fix ourselves because we are ill ourselves, and we need to uh, we need to fix this. And um, you know, I, I'm not a I'm not a, a political scientist. I'm just this average uh, guy that's going out here working every day. Jeez, I, I drive a truck for FedEx. Um, I enjoy doing it. I love it. As um, long as people are ordering packages and uh, I have job security, you know, and I'm delivering every day, and I'm, which I'm very thankful for, and it provides me with a good living. Um, I, I'm not a, uh, uh, I, you know, I've got an education. I got a BA, um, but I'm not a, I'm not a, a political scientist. I'm not a, a, an, a an attorney. Um, I didn't get a master's or anything like that. I'm just this average guy that that sees things and I just want things to be better in our country. And it draws me back to like what this country is supposed to be about. Uh, what it was, what it was, what it's supposed to be It's supposed to be a promised land and that promised land and the blessings of it, that you'll be taken care of, that you'll have prosperities based on our ability to be able to live God's commandments, to do his will to have Christ at the center of your belief system and uh, worship God. And we are getting farther and farther away from that. And as we do get farther and farther away from it, all these videos that I talked about, all this discourse and all this uh, disbelief and war and fear and and uh, hatred and everything continues to grow exponentially out there. And it's because we've turned away from the very thing that this land was designed to be and a place of refuge and a place of safety um, for us. And it's not becoming that way anymore, and we're turning away from it. That's why 
Um, if you, you know, you're aware of uh, Jason Aldean and his music, you know, try that in a small town and you got Oliver Anthony uh, talking about uh, North Man, uh, North of Richmond. Um, you know, when I was growing up, like I said earlier in the podcast, um, Charlie Daniels was <laughs> uh, simple man was our our mantra at that time. Uh, that's why these things resonate with these uh, with people. That's why his song went to the chart. It went into the top of the charts. That's why these people have been successful with the with the music that they've written because they are hitting a a. a they're hitting a point in people's lives, like truisms in people's lives. People resonating with what they are, or the hardships that these people that that they're singing about. You know, Oliver is talking about his own life and and things like that. Um, how he views you know, how he views the country, but people are they're. Um, They're liking themselves and and to to these things because they're in the same situations. They're seeing it around them. They're seeing that these things happen right before their eyes, and you shake. Sometimes you shake your head. You just you can't believe what's going on in the world today. You know you just can't believe. You can't believe that uh, that school systems, educational systems, have moved away from teaching read and write and arithmetic. And now we're more interested in social constructs like transgenderism and, and gay and lesbian rights and things like that and drag queen rights and things like that. This is You shake your head and you go, what in the hell is going on in our country? You know? Why are we, why are we allowing uh, Medicare and uh, food stamps to be uh, eliminated for many, many Americans whose that's their lifeblood? Why are we doing that? And we're giving billions and billions and hundreds of billions of dollars away to foreign countries. Why? I'm telling you, we need to fix ourselves. We need to cure our own ills first. We can't be. We can't be. Um, we can't be the stewards of the world like we're supposed to be. Okay, if we are ill ourselves. Um, going back at, from the from what I was talking about at the beginning of my podcast, the you know the Book of Mormon and is basically it's, it's a division between two different nations. Actually, it's a family. Uh, but there's two different nations, Nephites and Lamanites. They're brothers, actually. Two brothers, the uh, Laman and Lemuel, and then Sam and Nephi. Uh, but they become two nations, the Nephites and the Lamanites. And, it's, and, and the book is about the, the contentions between these two um, throughout the whole book and the wars and contentions and stuff like that. And basically what it, what it talks about is if people have faith in God and they they worship the God that this that this promised land was given to them, they're supposed to worship that God that they will be blessed as a nation. Whenever the Nephites obeyed God and they lived within the principles and the commandments and the, uh, that they were given, they were blessed um, to excel. Uh, when they didn't, they weren't. They were constantly in a, in, a, in, a, in a state of war. They were constantly being brought under, you know, uh, captivity and things like that. And we're seeing the same thing happen today. This is nothing. This is nothing new. And I just hope and. 
pray that that we learn uh, that that is that is the key, that is the substance, that is the the absolute um, idea that we should be that we should be focusing on in this country. Shouldn't be focusing on things that we have, the number of you know, the big houses that we have, the big cars, the razor, you know, four by four that we take out on the weekends, our boats, all these things. Those things are nice and that's great. But when it costs us trillion trillion dollars in debt in our credit cards and we have people taking out loans to, in order to buy food for their families and then they get by from month to month, um, you gotta start raising some questions about what in the what in the hell is going on. And it's not right, and it's not good. Um, God, I love, I love uh, the United States of America. I really do. I'm, I'm, I think, I, I offer prayer every, every night. I'm thankful for being born in these in the United States of America. I'm thankful for my freedoms. I'm thankful for the Constitution of the United States. I'm thankful for the Bill of Rights. I'm thankful for living in a country where I can worship and say what I want to say and think the way that I want to think. And I don't want anybody taking that away from me. I really don't. I don't. I don't. I will fight back against those who are trying to take that that right away from me. That's a God-given right. This week, you know, Monday, it's Monday. Um, you know, make a commitment to yourself that you're going to... Um, Maybe see the world in, in in a different way that you're going to open up and that you're going to see these things and take part in what's going on in the world and make the changes that are necessary to make us a great nation. Okay, we are a great nation. We don't need to be a great nation again. We are a great nation. We just need, as a people, we need to recognize it and be thankful for it and act like we're thankful for it. Um, and I hope that you know we can do that. I hope that we as a people can do that. And as we do that, our minds will be more clear. Our minds will be open to doing the right thing for the right purposes. And uh, we, will, we will lead again in this world uh, where today that's very questionable whether we're leading or in, in many cases we're not. But uh, we need to get back to the point where we're leading in the world again and not following. Hey, uh, thanks for listening. Um, please... Um, I know this one went a little longer than normal, um, but that's okay. Um, share it with your friends, please. Uh, get on Apple and Spotify and whatever format and platform you like to listen to and give me five stars. Share it with the other people. Um, I'm like anybody else. I'm trying to build my audience, so please help me to do that. Uh, I'm thankful for your uh, for the time that you give me to listen. I take it seriously. And um, Hey, have a good week. Right, and be careful out there. It's a dangerous world and a confusing world.